welcome to the Dynasty Strategy Hub. I'm your host, Andrew Ferraro, here with my co-host, Dave Sanders. Uh, this episode, we're really excited to bring on John Bosch. Um, I'm going to kick it over to Dave to kind of introduce John, let you know all about him, but this is going to be a great episode. We really look forward to having John on with us, so thanks for coming, John. Thank you. Yeah, John, thanks for being here. So you can follow John on Twitter, John Bosch FF, and also check out uh, John's podcast. So right now, he has three of them going, Dynasty um, Wall Street, Dynasty Game Night, and Dynasty Panic Room. So first off, as two guys who have been hosting podcasts for about a year now, still pretty new to it, um, what kind of got you into being a podcast host yourself? Uh, so thanks for having me. Uh, this is I'm looking forward to this. Kind of like this is my kind of my kind of discussion. I, I love Dynasty strategy is way better than like players and stuff for me. Honestly, agreed. <laughs> so what got me into it was the the first podcast I did was called Fantasy Insanity. And I don't even know when it started. It was, I know, years ago at this point. And I basically wanted to just talk about unique things in fantasy football. I create a lot of unique leagues. I have sought out and started to play in a lot of unique leagues. Um, as well as there's other things like in fantasy football that aren't, aren't football related <laughs> at all. So, like, that was what got me into it. I, there wasn't really anything out there for me to listen to that kind of touched on those things. I wanted to talk about, talk to people that, you know, had creative leagues and why did they create this? What makes it different? What makes it fun? I kind of did expand from there and, you know, went beyond just creative leagues and went to everything that was unique in fantasy football. Had a lot of fun with that. Uh, it had a good run. Eventually I kind of had to give it up because it was a lot of work to, to do that one. Um, and eventually, you know, in season, it wasn't something that was very sustainable. It was more of an off-season fun pod. But I, once I started finding some things to do, there were more year-round. Unfortunately, that one kind of went went along, the, went 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 away. But uh, you used to go look it up. There's still some fun episodes to go back and listen to if anybody ever wants to listen to fantasy insanity. Right, that's awesome. Tell our listeners um, a bit about your current podcast. I know there are so many out there, but I want to shed <laughs> lights on some of these ones too because definitely there's some great content. Okay, so you, you can hear my voice too much. Uh, so okay. Dynasty Game Night is one that Matt Price and I started. We had actually talked about it for quite a while. Uh, like, God, we need to just have – we both love playing games, like any game. You could literally put us, like, in the backyard with two sticks, and we would figure out a way to make some sort of competitive game out of it. And we, we would have fun. With no stakes, we would play against each other for well, anything. You know, we would just play and have fun. So we wanted to just incorporate that more into a fantasy football podcast. So from that, Dynasty Game Night was born. Um, as Matt says in our little commercial for it, you might not get hard-hitting analysis, but you'll definitely have fun. We have all kinds of fun on that show. You will get a little bit of stuff. Occasionally you get some ADP and some trade talks that kind of cycle through some of the games that we play. But that one's really just for fun. That one's over on the DLF uh, family feed. You can find that one there. I do have one on the Dynasty Trade Calculator feed that is Dynasty Wall Street. That's one that I host with Matt Price and Kevin – or Jeep, nope, Matt – good Lord. That's one that I host with Kevin Cotillo and Riley Bymaster where we just discuss some current player values, what the guy could be traded for, what we would do in certain scenarios, and how that player ranks up to other guys that are near in value to him. We have a lot of fun with that one. And then one that I just started, the first episode just got released today, actually, is the Dynasty Panic Room 
And this kind of grew out of some Twitter polls that I've been running all season where I love to put up a Twitter poll on a guy that's having a terrible game, usually on an island game, because I love how Twitter just overreacts. I, I laugh at the hyperbole that we see on there all the time. But because of that, I was like, you know, there are some people that probably genuinely feel this way about these guys. So when I can put up a poll, like I just did Lev Bell, and I put one up at the end of the weekend, maybe, because, I mean, he has not been having a good year. Uh, the results came back that the majority of people thought that he was worth a 2021st. So I went and made a bunch of offers. I play in a ton of leagues, so I can provide a pretty decent sample size across a lot of different formats on was Twitter right? I'll send these offers if it's a guy, you know, if I want to add him on a team, I'll send it where I can add him. So I sent it all out and I hope to do those each weekend season, have a little, that's just a quick hitter one. That one's like 10 minutes or less. You're going to get a quick real market analysis of one guy. That's the goal with that one. I believe those are all that I'm on right now. <laughs> if not, we can always sub in and we can check back later for more Jeez. of what John's on this week. <laughs> Too, um, too many. Not, uh, it's too many. I don't know how you got time for it all because we just been doing these two between this one and Evolution Sports keeps me quite busy. Um, I love the idea of the Dynasty Panic Room though because Twitter is the ultimate sell, sell, sell. He's awful. Oh wait, he's had a touchdown. He's great. Bring him on back. I want <laughs> yep. him again. I was all set to to do one for Juju this week. This this week, like he was going to be my target. I was so hoping for it. I wanted him to be the target because I wanted to go out and buy Juju. Then he has that touchdown, and I'm like, uh, I, I can't even do it now. I mean, it's it's not going to work now. <laughs> yeah, the masses have been caught. He had a touchdown. Now the masses yeah. are, are he, better he now. He caught a touchdown. He caught a touchdown, so he, he's still the same receiver he always was. He never wasn't that receiver. Oh, man. Ooh, we, won't, we won't go too far down that rabbit hole because we, we could spend hours doing it. Because Twitter, if you can't laugh at Twitter at this point, you might want to check yourself. Uh, that's just kind of how I feel. Um, but I know you're in a lot of different leagues with a ton of unique scoring, roster construction. You just talked about with Fantasy Insanity of how you love those those kind of different things. But ultimately, let's kind of start at the beginning of your story. What really drew you into the, the fantasy football world? And then, like you said, ultimately into that dynasty format. So despite the Bengals fatheads that are displayed behind me right now, I don't like the NFL anymore. <laughs> um, I like fantasy football. Basically, the Bengals broke me. Um, when perfect just melted down and the whole team destroyed themselves in a playoff game and had no control. And I got pissed and I realized, you know what? This isn't fun. The only thing I should actually care about is the stuff that I control, which are my teams. So that night I started to, I wrote a bylaws for a fantasy football league that was very different. Uh, than anything I had ever played in. And I started to develop that league, and I've never looked back. From there, it's basically been one league after another and joined more and more and more. And now I get to play – I get to enjoy football the way I enjoy it, which is watching the teams that I create, the teams that are in my control. If I have a bad day on Sunday, it's because my, my team did bad, my fault, not something that's totally out of my control like being a fan of the Bengals. I like that. Um, so what are your Sundays look like? Is it mostly red zone? Do you flip around? Um, oh, it's red zone start to finish. I don't even, it's, that's the only channel that I need on TV, to be honest. You can, <laughs> I don't need I don't need a local broadcast anymore. Like nothing. Just give me red zone. That's all I care about. 
You talked about how unique, you know, some of the scoring can be. I know for me, I love the Pigs Leagues. Um, if, for those that aren't familiar, it's Devi, it's Dynasty, everything's tradable. Um, you basically have one pool of money that runs throughout the year. Um, so for me, that's probably my favorite. But what is your favorite? Is it one of the ones you've created? And if so, tell us about that. So the Pigs Leagues are up there. Um, I love that format. I do play in all three of them. And those are so unique. There's really no way to gauge uh, value in those leagues. Um, so you're kind of flying blind, no matter what. I mean, you can, you can look at every single trade, every transaction that takes place in those leagues. But because Scott has developed such a unique system of having so many owners and so many different avenues to trade and avenues to build your team, really, it just creates a marketplace that shifts so fast. I love that. Um, for a lot of people, that's probably unsettling. <laughs> I, that's what I like. I mean, for me, if it was the same game over and over and over, it wouldn't really be all that much fun. The fact that those leagues just shift so quickly is exciting to me. So those are probably my favorite leagues. Um, I would like to say salary cap because that's actually my favorite format. But salary caps are a pain in the ass to run. <laughs> um, so because of that, I'll, I'll give the edge to the pigs leagues. But salary cap, honestly, like if I, could, if I had to choose just one format and I wasn't the one running them, it would be salary cap. I do get to play in a couple that are run by some other people, and I love those leagues because all I get to do is be an owner in them, and they're awesome. All right, so tell us a bit, about more, a bit more about those. So is it – I'm guessing it's not run through Reality Sports Online. It's more run by the commissioner, and then is it an auction format where those auction – I guess, bids, wins, or turned into salaries going forward? Yeah, and I do like RSO. Um, the problem with it is it's not as customizable <laughs> as the leagues that I run or the leagues that I play in, unfortunately. So they are extremely commissioner-intensive. It'd be nice if somebody could make it so these could be automated, but there is literally no way that anybody would ever invest the amount of money <laughs> to have an automation of such a niche league. Um, salary cap in general should be growing. It is so much fun. It's so much different. The level of strategy in a salary cap league is just extra beyond dynasty. You're not evaluating just, you know, I think this player is going to be good. I'm getting him for this draft pick and he's on my roster. That becomes, <laughs> that's still important, but what you pay a guy, what the contract is becomes so much more important. Cap management is super important. And those are just, to me, that's, to me, that's so much more fun because it's, again, it's, it's the moving pieces. It's the shifting. To me, I, I like fantasy football because I like the game. I mean, the football is just kind of like the pieces of the game that, you know, sometimes you roll the dice with in a, in a game and you don't have control over that. So when the football is actually being played, that's the, that's the element of chance that's involved in a, in a good game. But when you get to play a salary cap league or a pigs league, something like that, it's a strategy game at its heart. And that's what I love more than anything. So I, I recommend to anybody out there to play in a salary cap league. If, <laughs> if the, so I say they can't all be on RSO, unfortunately, because of the level. So for some of the ones that I run, we have these unique cut rules where if you cut a guy because he's 
injured or retired, like you get a certain percentage of your cap back versus just cutting in because, you know, bad performance, something like that. That's a different level of cut. The ones I run, depending on when you cut them, you get a different level of back. So right before week seven, if you cut a guy, you get more money back this year than if you do it after week seven. And that's something that I put in there because I wanted activity. I wanted, it's always fun before week seven, because all of a sudden you see these guys that are like, maybe they're rosterable, but they're a little expensive. They get axed. So then all of a sudden there's this, this new little wave of action because then people want to pick up this guy. So anything to create that kind of activity is fun. I play in one with uh, Dan Myler as the commish. He's got holdout rules, which are awesome. Right now, Zach Ertz is on a holdout on my team. And every, every week, I have to do a digital dice roll to see if I hit the number. And if I do, he has to sign the contract that he's supposed to be playing under. And if he doesn't, I don't get him back. Um, you know, so it's, you can add in little things like that and salary cap that don't really apply to a regular dynasty league because you're not balancing contracts and, you know, staying under the cap. So those honestly salary cap leagues are my passion. They're just, they're a lot of work on the commissioner. Yeah, absolutely. I think anything that makes each league different than the next one, like with salary cap leagues, if you do four leagues with four different sets of people, it's going to be different each time. They're all different. Yeah. Yeah. You could literally do four leagues with the same exact rules. You can do them with the same group and the same exact rules and each league is still going to be different. Um, and that's actually Dan has, I don't, I think he's talked about it a little bit. If not follow Dan Myler, uh, but I'll, he has talked, we've had a little bit of discussion of doing a four copy salary cap league. So then each player would be on a different salary cap. Like each, each player would be on a different contract. One guy would have a one year deal left. One guy would have two, one guy would have three and one guy would have a four year deal left. Like each player will be, each player will be tiered out to only be allowed to have one during the startup, you know, a one year, a four year, two year, three year. So it'll be every year. There'll be a turnover of the entire field of players. They have to be signed to a four year contract in that startup or in that annual auction. And then of course, everybody else ticks down here. The guy that was on four goes down to three. So like, that's going to be wild. Which copy do you go after? You know, like if you want a guy, do you go after the two-year contract? Do you go after the one? Which one's going to be the most expensive? Which one's going to be the cheapest? Like so many layers of strategy in that. And I can't wait for that league. That's absolutely wild. Um, yeah. That's the salary cap has been kind of the niche I've moved more towards in the last few years. So I'm not fun. Gonna, I, yeah, it's, it's just a whole other layer because, you know, and I do most of mine on RSO just because I'm not quite as advanced as you guys are yet. I'm getting down that road. Uh, but I just really enjoy the, like, you can go from, man, I finished two and 10, two and 12 to, okay, I had a good all season where I, I bought, sold some guys, worked my cap. And all of a sudden you win two titles in a row. It's amazing. It's amazing how quickly you can turn things. You can also bury yourself in a cap league. Bingo. <laughs> you can be like, I was getting there. I was getting there. Oh, crap. Now yeah, I've got oh, yeah. two more years yeah. before I even have a chance. That sucks. Yeah. I, I made some bad deals. Yeah, when you're staring at Jordan Howard for 30 million a year, you're like, oh, God, what did I do to myself? <laughs> it looked, that contract looked so good two years ago, didn't it? Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. That four-year deal for like 120, no problem. It's no yeah. big deal. At the end of the year, it's going to be great. He's like 24. No, that, that one turned out terrible. Uh, yeah, I'm so certainly I, not knocking RSO. I've played on there, and it is fun. It's, I would call it almost like an introduction to salary cap. If you're looking to dip your toes in the water, do it. 
Yeah. You're going to get hooked and you're eventually going to be like, oh, I kind of wish we could do this and this and this and this and this. And that's where new leagues will spur from because you're going to want to make these little customizations that, that just take it to the next level. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me is, is moving away from being a commissioner. I'm going to learn to just yes. let, let it go. Be like, you know what? I got a kid. Yeah. Now, now we've got a, I've got a kid now. So we just tone it back. I don't need to do all the work anymore. Let me know. I, if you can, I, let me know if you figure out the secret to how to do yeah, that. I'll let you know. I doubt it. But um, it's always <laughs> turns into oh, this idea. Well, I'm also just do it myself. Um, and that, that's kind Some of how. tiny little kernel of an idea. And then all of a sudden there's a new league. It's happened to me a lot. <sighs> At least I'm not the only one. Uh, so we did just talk a minute ago about, you know, keeping leagues active and being more active, you know, obviously your work with dynasty wall street and kind of going through the, uh, you know, dynasty trade calculator channels, you know, what advice would you give to those that are looking to increase their activity either personally and make more trades or from a league standpoint? So this is something that a lot of people really want. They want their act league to be more active. It's hard to force people to be active. So the biggest key to having an active league is to get the right people in it at the start or replace them along the way with somebody that's going to be more active. That's tough to do. Um, and sometimes you don't know. If you get a group of 12 people together, they all think they're going to be active. But then when it comes down to it, you know, some people get busy. Maybe you have six, seven people that are really active and the rest of them just aren't. It can be a drag on the league. Um, so basically you just have to have a discussion. If you, if you feel comfortable with it as the commissioner, I mean, just tell them, look, we require a little more activity. You know, if they're responding to trades, setting a lineup, stuff like that, that's still fine. That's the bare minimum. If you expect more, you need to be upfront about that, up, you know, right away. But once you're into it, if you are upfront about it and they're not really living up to it, I mean, you just have to have a discussion with them and find out maybe they don't even want to be in the league anymore. I will always give, my the owners in any of my leagues I, I ask them at the end of every season you know does anybody want out just let me know like I, I don't, don't feel pressured to stay in this league if this league is too much for you it's more than you, if you took on more than you thought this was going to be let me know I mean I, I have no problem replacing you it's better for you it's better for me I'm not going to hold it against you if I have another league in the future that you want to try out it might be a different level of involvement your situation might have changed so it's all about having a discussion. There are certain little things you can do to try. Um, in a couple of my leagues, I run a weekly DraftKings competition along with it. So even the people that are kind of out of it for the year, it's still something for them to talk about in the chat if they want. We don't really we don't play money on it, but we have a little prize. Uh, if it in some of them, it's a bankroll league, which is like designed like pigs, where your your budget just rolls and rolls and rolls. If you win the league, you get like five bankroll bucks. You know, that's something just to give somebody, give everybody something to do each week. And then they get to have a little discussion over it. You know, if they win, hey, that's fun. Um, other things that I do, I'll, I'll typically run a confidence pool throughout some of my leagues. I'll run a survivor pool throughout some of my leagues. Just anything like that that gives a little bit of a prize. It doesn't have to be something huge. You're not giving away the 101. You know, throw in an extra third-round draft pick for somebody to win something like that. I've heard of leagues that have tried to, like, force you to make a trade offer just to keep a league active. I, I don't think that works. People end up just sending a shitty trade offer, and, you know, nobody really wants that. That, that can kill things. So having a chat is huge. If you have a league and it doesn't have a chat, 
I don't know how it can be active. I mean, Dave has seen in the pigs leagues, some of those ones are, they're just nuts. I mean, it's a bunch of people that are obsessed with fantasy football, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be to that level. <laughs> but if you have anything, it just, you know, share it in the league chat. If you want to have a, have a discussion about a player, inevitably a couple of people will chime in and it'll get the league a little bit more active. Activity breeds activity. So if you want more activity, kind of start activity. If you want to see trade offers, send trade offers. You can't just say, you know, oh, I wish people would send me trades. Well, go send trades out. <laughs> that's the best way to start receiving trades is to offer trades. That, that's a little pet peeve of mine is people that say they want trade offers, but don't go and send them. Yeah, exactly. And to add on to that, do some of the legwork yourself. Don't just say, hey, I want Patrick Mahomes. Let me know what it takes. Like, do some of the work yourself. Come forward with an offer, what you want yeah. to present. Because um, otherwise, you're putting the onus on them. Maybe they don't want to trade him, and then they're not going to do the work themselves. I agree with that 100%. You got to do some legwork. Uh, if you want people to be active, you should be active yourself. Um, like I said, and please, I, the, my biggest pet peeve when it comes to trading and offers is when you send me something that you know, you know, fourth round pick for Patrick Mahomes. And like you just said, Dave, yeah, what's it going to take? Hmm. Come to the table with something, send something that is reasonable. Um, and I, don't have to ha I don't have to have the, you know, perfect offer sitting in my inbox. It makes it easier if it does, but come, come in with something that makes just life a little bit easier. Hey, these are the three guys I'm interested. I'm shopping these guys around, you know, if there a matchup in there that works really well, kind of, kind of where it goes from there. Just kind of, what would you say would be a great piece of advice to help people either find their voice in making their own rankings, really weeding out because Twitter's got, as you talked about with the panic room, it just goes from one extreme to the other. Um, so what have you kind of done, John, just kind of find your voice or listen to a few voices? How have you been able to kind of get the substance and weed out the noise? So I am the wrong person to ask about rankings because my philosophy on rankings are they don't matter. Uh, how expletive is this podcast? Because there would be another adjective in there. I mean, you um, say whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, I, I am not a believer in rankings, like, at all. I, I really don't care about my rankings or anybody's rankings. For Dynasty, it, it just straight up doesn't matter to me at all. The only thing that matters is how I value that player, how the person that I want to trade for, trade with, values that player. Um, that's that's really all that matters. I mean, some other I know a lot of people love to look at rankings, and I wished I could just send rankings over and over and over. I could send rankings because there are sites that will pay you to do rankings. <laughs> I have zero interest in doing it. It's a, to me, it's a feeble process because, like you said, it changes so quickly. It shouldn't in Dynasty, but also if you don't make adjustments when you get new information. Then you're not. Then you're also doing yourself a disservice. So, for me, player value is something that that is a shift constantly. My goal is to try and find margins where other people think that a guy has shifted in one direction faster than I do. Um, that's really where I operate. I am an extremely active trader. I send out trades quite often. Uh, I, I look for that edge. Over and over and over. I know Dave does the same thing. I get about 18 offers from him a, a, a day. 
that, hey, this is a waiver wire guy that I just picked up. Will you give me five bucks for him? Yep. And I get it. Like, that is exactly what he should be doing when he's trying to build a bankroll to attack a league. Like, that's, you know, that's exactly what you should be doing. So, I, I don't I, – where to get rankings? I don't know. You can go find them anywhere. <laughs> there are rankings everywhere. And there are, some, there are some people that, you know, I'll listen to them, and I do want others' opinions, especially when it's something that doesn't agree with what I think about a player. I love getting – an argument from somebody that is different than what I think because sometimes it'll open my eyes and make me reconsider a guy or look at him from a different light. There's other times around we like, mm, Nope, this makes me feel even better about the way that I feel about this player. So that's, that to me is far more important than having a, this is my top 250 players. Uh, it's how does this player relate to another player? And how do other people think this player relates to other people? That's where you can really operate to find value. And ultimately, that's how I play in leagues. I, I, don't, I don't try to player scout anymore at all. I mean, at all. I, to me, that's not quite as important as what am I actually going to have to give to acquire this player? Do I think that that price is worth it? <laughs> you know, whether or not he's good, <laughs> I say that a lot and people get mad at me. Whether or not a player is good matters even less and less and less to me. It's more about what is it going to take for me to get him on my team. There are plenty of times. I, I think I got Damian Williams from you, didn't I, Dave? Or did I, get that from, did I get him from somebody else? I think it was me last year. I think it was you last year. And I paid what I, what I think was probably – I don't know what you ended up getting for the amount of money I gave you, but it was probably – I didn't get much I for guess, it. Yeah, I don't think you got much for it. But my guest – my guess was like, ah, it's probably going to be like a late first, early second value in the 2019 auction. Like, I don't really care if Damian Williams is going to be good or not. <laughs> For me, I was in the right situation where, yeah, that's the right price. I'll, I'll go ahead and buy him for that. If he pans out, then I slammed it. If not, well, then I lost out. But, like, there's a lot of people that take a hard stance on Damian Williams wasn't good. Or still, Damian Williams is still, like it's still it's a, it's a battle that we are now going in the week nine, and people are still fighting it, which is just hilarious to me because literally none of it matters. <laughs> it doesn't matter if he's good or not. It's a matter of how much are you willing to invest to put him on your team. You know, if if you're willing to give a second or a third or whatever it would cost to go get him right now, oh my God! If all of a sudden he becomes if if an injury happens and he becomes the number one again at the end of the season like he was last year, like that's huge. That's totally worth the investment if you think that's a chance. If it's not worth it to you, then, like, don't do it. So where he ranks doesn't matter to me. It's, it's where is he valued. That's the only way that I really know how to play fantasy football. Yeah, from my side, I'm working on trying to do, like, an evaluation of my trades across all my leagues to understand, do those little small trades where I'm selling, you know, a waiver wire guy like you mentioned or somebody who's becoming a starter, um, like I sold Kyle Allen for basically nothing. That's the one I regret so far. But the rest of them, looking back over the last couple of years, that's been a, you know, a, I guess a profitable strategy um, versus like maybe those three first round pick, um, you know, type players for like a stud like Zeke or Kamara. Are those kind of trades successful? Um, so I think to your point, it's more about are you following the right process than necessarily the end result on each trade. I spent a year doing that, Dave, in pigs, and it was the. 
I, I respect you for doing it. That's why I don't get mad for you sending those offers. I just hit reject and move on. Um, but <laughs> Somebody like, takes them though. Usually one person will take <laughs> yes, it. Eventually you get one. And you, you gotta turn, send 20, but you'll get one. It's all 55. <laughs> but you, but you, turn, you turn $0 into five or 10 bucks. But if you do that 10 times, then you're getting the value, like you're getting early second round pick value. Like that is, <laughs> it is painstaking in the bankroll leagues to do that. But it is totally what you should be doing, you know, especially when you're not in the competing mode. It's a little tougher when you only have 20 roster spots and you have to give up somebody that you think you might start for that just to have that position to roster churn. But when you're not, I mean, that's definitely what you got to do. You just have to chip away little by little by little. I know we're getting short on time, so let's jump ahead a little bit. Um, looking like 10 years from now, is there one feature that you think is going to become the norm or you want to become the norm in fantasy? It could be outside of Dynasty too. Um, so I still unfortunately don't think Superflex is the norm because I still will put up things like SF on Twitter and people don't understand that's an abbreviation for Superflex. Or I'll say Superflex and people will be like, that's too much to give up for a quarterback. So unfortunately, I still don't think Superflex <laughs> is the norm, which just baffles me. That just that needs to be the standard. I know, I know it has definitely exploded in popularity, but I see plenty of evidence that it's not completely taken over. Right now, if you play in one quarterback league, I mean quarterbacks are basically worthless. And if the scoring is the old scoring system, what I really do think will take over by 2029 is I think the people that are doing like unique scoring systems, customized scoring systems, that is going to grow. There's not going to be one, you know, that's going to be, hey, this is the best customized scoring system. But people like Scott do so much work on trying to figure out, how do I balance these positions? There are better ways to do it than just saying, well, you have to play two quarterbacks. You have to play two running backs. Giving guys, giving giving guys different values in in their positions is one thing. But when you can make it so that that cross-positional value becomes a decision point, that becomes really, really fun. So I do think that people will get away from – in 10 years, I don't think everybody's going to be playing in four-point passing touchdown, six-point every other touchdown, negative one for any turnover, one point for every 10 yards – rushing or receiving, you know, I, I think that kind of scoring system is going to go away a little bit. And I, I, I want to see that. I want to see it happen. And I think it will. I mean, when you see people discuss it on Twitter, I think more people are starting to come around to the fact that some customized scoring, while it's a little bit harder to do the math when you look at your bottom line on ESPN or red zone, you know, it, it's not as easy as just saying 10 for a hundred and two touchdowns. Oh, 10, 10, 12, 22, 32, perfect. We're done. Like, you know, it takes a little bit harder to add up all that math, but you adapt. And when you can make it so that that scoring is more effective in creating equal positions across it, it's just so much more fun. That's what I think will be a big, big increase. What do you guys think? What are some of the ones that you guys think? I'm curious. I think the scoring is the biggest thing. Like PPR has gone mainstream for redraft, but that's not the end all be all. Um, and it's kind of overkill now we're seeing. <laughs> yeah. I, li- I do like tight end premium to a point, but I think there's some leagues that I'm in where it overdoes it, and the tight ends become almost too hard to even trade. Um, 
some tight ends, the good tight ends. Right, the other tight that. ends all stay the same. Very true. I think auctions can become a bigger and bigger thing too yes. for the general public. Yes. Let's That's our to. next question, actually. So this probably goes without saying, but no, I don't even. I don't even play. No. We'll skip it. No draft. Yeah, yeah, no yeah, draft. And, and moving no, on no, real quickly. Ask, uh, ask the question because I have a perfect answer for it. So draft format, do you prefer snake drafts or auction? So whenever somebody presents me with like a new league and like, hey, are you interested in a new league? Literally, my first question is draft or auction. If they say draft, I'm immediately like, nope, not interested at all. I, I cannot stand a startup draft. It's just so unfair. Give me an auction where everybody is on an equal playing field. And I know there's plenty of people that say, oh, you can build a team from the back of a startup, you know, the back of the first round in a startup. Really? Well, has anybody ever traded the 101 for the 112 straight up? Nope, because the person that's at the 101 knows it's more valuable and they're not saying, I'm going to move down for free. So nobody can convince me that a draft is anywhere close to as fair. And uh, I just, I, I can't even take it when I'm in a draft. Like, no, 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 no. I still have some redraft things that are draft. And even then, oh, it's irritating. It's especially irritating when it's in Dynasty. And, like, there are clear studs to get up at the top that are just going to shape your roster. Imagine having a, a super flex startup and it being draft and be like, okay, well, I'm going to take Mahomes. Um, now I have a guy that's three times more valuable than everybody else in the league. Like, <laughs> what would it take to move up from the 103 to the 101, you know, in a super flex startup? It's going to take a lot. You're going to have to pay up to move up. So, yes, auction, auction, auction. I, I, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a, it took me a little bit to get on board with this just because um, I tend to have the habit of in an auction, I like to spend all my money in about the first 10 minutes, then go drink beer for an hour, then come back and figure out what, am I got any, anything left to do. Sometimes that can work out for you. It can. Uh, so, like, I'm, I'm on the auction. And for me on the 2029, I really hope it's salary cap because I it just adds a, such an element that makes the game way more exciting for me. Because uh, if you, you're my standard dynasties get get old, so this, the unique scoring and the salary cap makes things really great for me. It's what I look forward to. It's what I want everybody else to be part of because I like it, so everybody else should too. Um, but here's going to be a fun one, and it usually always has story time involved. Is what is the worst trade you have ever made? Okay, so I, I've made a lot of bad trades. I'm sure uh, the one that's most memorably bad to me, and even and I would still do it to this day. Uh, last year I gave up Marvin Jones. This was like week 13 or 14, I think, uh, for Josh Adams. And this was in capitalist pigs one. I knew I, I was at risk of possibly losing a running back down the stretch and I was going for the championship. Marvin Jones was never going to start for me. Um, last year in the last like four weeks, he wasn't going to start for me because I liked my wide receiving crew. Well, obviously, Josh Adams has no value now. <laughs> Marvin Jones still has some value. So, it looks like a terrible trade. That was probably the worst trade I ever made. I'd still do it because Josh Adams never started for me either. But I made it – I, I did okay in the league. So, I would still do it. But that was definitely a trade I did not need to make. I, I couldn't tell you I – I honestly don't remember all the trades I've made. If you ever searched all my trades – there are, there are probably others that you would look back and go, oof, 
that one's got to hurt. I don't like to look back because that's just painful. That's, that one is definitely memorable, though. Because even at the time, people were like, you're crazy. And I'm like, yep, I know. But what happens if uh, – what happens if my RB? What happens if Todd Gurley gets hurt down as well? It wasn't Todd Gurley because he did get hurt. <laughs> Say, uh, that did yeah. happen. And, wasn't uh, him. Uh, you know, I can't remember who it was that I had down the stretch. I think I had Zeke. Yeah, I still have Zeke on that team. So, what happens if Zeke goes down down the stretch and I need a guy to fill in? Like, I don't care. Adams is getting touches, and I just want to win this damn league. <laughs> it's all about winning titles, and that's kind of took me a little bit to get used to. And for me, people are always obsessed with winning trades. There are certain players I like, and I want those players. So I go get them. And uh, that's just kind of how, how I go with that one. Uh, so I guess we'll kind of I – mean, we've already kind of covered this one for some best tips that you would have. But we'll kind of hit up – we got two kind of just random questions we like to end with just to really kind of pick everybody's brain, sh- shed a little light. Uh, favorite beverage, either alcohol or non-alcoholic, could be anything you want here. So – I'll go back to the best tips real fast. My best right, tip. Give me a tip. All right. Get give on Twitter. I, I will, yeah. If you're not on Twitter, get on Twitter. You'll find more fantasy football advice, content, everything on there so much faster. You should not play fantasy football without being on Twitter now and following some of the humongous fantasy football minds that are out there. Uh, favorite beverage, it's beer. I love beer. And if I'm going to be specific, it is Belgian triples. They are a major vice of mine. I love them. Love them. Love them. I like it. I say Dave and I were just at a rare beer festival because uh, I, I live down in North Carolina. So we were on the battleship North Carolina hosting a rare beer festival. So a lot of, a lot of triples, a couple quads in there. Oh, uh, quads are, yeah. I mean, if I could get quads on <laughs> regularly, they would be my favorite, but they're yeah. hard to obtain. Well, let's just say when you, when a lot of your alcohol, when a lot of your beers were double digits in the uh, ABV, it was, uh, and if they're, rough. if they're made, if they're Belgian and they're made like, the way they make them, I don't know what they do, but they are delicious, and you really just don't taste that much of a difference. I love it. I like, love it doesn't feel like you're drinking liquor. We just became best friends, so it's totally great. Uh, last question we'll wrap up on, cake or pie? It's definitely pie. Cake is trash. So this is my favorite one right there. You ever, you ever see this label, Green St. Bernardinus Triple? You ever see this label? Buy it, drink it. I will, I will go look for it. So. Cake is trash, pie is great, except for pumpkin pie. That's also trash. Uh, and <laughs> we the strongest opinion we've had on cake and pie yet. Oh, I hate cake. I hate cake. I hate cupcakes. Ugh. Thank God my kids, like, for their birthdays, we don't get cake. They want cookie cakes, which is awesome. That's just a giant cookie that's slightly underbaked. So that's totally acceptable. It's perfect. Yes. Totally slightly underbaked is right. It's got to be slightly underbaked. Or yeah, yeah. Nobody wants a hard one. It's got to be nice and soft, a little bendable. Yep. Um, so that, that's going to wrap us up. So this is kind of the moment we give you a chance to plug anything that you want to plug. Uh, so we do appreciate you coming on, but let me, let me give you your, your few minutes here to plug what you want to plug. So have at it. Uh, well, like Dave said, I am at John Bosch FF on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me there for all, all the information I put out, which is mostly just, uh, the podcasts. And then I am willing to discuss anything, anytime about fantasy football. You'll find me doing a lot of discussions of player values on Twitter. That's, that's what I enjoy. Um, as for what I w- would like to shine light on, uh, that's always going to be fantasycares.net. I do a lot of work with them. Scott runs, Scott Fish runs just an amazing charity 
where we get to raise a bunch of money for fantasy cares to go buy toys for tots, which we get to go do in a couple of weeks. It's an awesome, awesome thing. If you haven't checked out fantasycares.net, go and do it. Um, Scott has a great story on there about how this is all developed and how it's grown. Donate a little bit of money from your fantasy leagues. It's amazing what we've been able to get from donations of fantasy football leagues. If you play in a $25 buy-in league, put 25 bucks of it into the into a charity. It doesn't have to be fantasy cares. It'd be great if it was. Find anything to donate it to. Nobody misses it. I, I mean, I'm parroting Scott right now. Nobody misses that 25 bucks if they win the league because they win the league and still win money. But a little bit of charity from every single league makes a huge, huge difference. Couldn't agree more. Um, that's one of those things we have kind of, I don't want to say stolen from those guys, but um, it is really important to for us to put in those kind of things. Um, just pulled, actually just pulled Fantasy Cares while sitting here. We're up to $60,000 right now. Yeah, I think that's the uh, – I think he's done for 2019, so I think that's the grand total for 2019. Gotcha. But I, hopefully I'll have it open for 2020 soon. So, it, until then, just earmark something for him. Like, you know, uh, I, every single league I start now has a charitable component, and nobody misses it. Everybody actually kind of enjoys it. And what ends up happening is a lot of people end up kicking just a little bit more. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's totally perfect. Uh, it's a great thing. So, um, John, we can't thank you enough. Uh, this has been quite entertaining for us. I know we originally said, you know, 10 minutes your time and never <laughs> turns into that. So we do appreciate you spending as much time as you did with us. Um, this has been one of my favorites. Just uh, we're a lot like the same person who was living different places. So not yeah, a problem. Thanks, John. It's awesome. If anybody's listened uh, to me on any podcast, I don't think – people are really, really shocked that I'm able to keep the panic room fast. <laughs> It's probably because I'm not having a conversation. It's just me saying what I need to say and moving on. If you haven't checked out some of our earlier episodes, please go back and check them out. Episode one had Ryan McDowell of DLF. Episode two, Leo Pasiga. I'm definitely off to a nice start here. Looking forward to getting back to a regular schedule and having on some of your favorites from the fantasy industry. Please like, rate, and subscribe. And uh, can't wait to catch you on the next podcast. Game over.